I'm back on the mic, man. It's your boy Slick Rob. No introduction needed. Let's do it. Welcome back to Cafeteria Talk, the podcast where we talk about any and everything. Just like the table hanging with your boys, your girls, and all the homies. Like I said, this your boy Quattro. Man, how you been, Slick? It's, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a spell since we spoke last. What's going on? Uh, I've been good. Um, doing real well up here in Atlanta. Like working a lot. I've been working nonstop. Honestly, if I must say so myself. The man is nonstop. Glad. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel that. I was really telling a friend today. I was like, "Yo, like anytime I talk to all of my friends, and like one of the first things you say, of course, is like, hey, bro, what's been going on? How's life?'" And literally, just everybody's response is the exact same, bro. They just be like, "Hey, work is cool. <laughs> that's like that's it. Work yeah. is cool." Yeah, I'm I ready mean, for school to start for real. Fact. Well, I mean, it's already started for me. I'm in the middle of it now, but uh, I got to get set for the next semester, and then uh, get it get geared up for the for the fall because uh, things will be opening back up. Uh, my experience here will, will be a lot different than it's been for the last uh, six months, so I'm excited about that. But true, um, true. Uh, if you guys clicked on the episode, you already know what we're getting into today. This today is a special Marvel Cinematic Universe. The MCU in review for the summer, man. A lot of lot of MCU things happened this summer that we gonna get into. But first, man, let me do a little bit of business real quick. Can't get to get too ahead of ourselves. You can follow us on Instagram at Cafeteria Talk Official. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at Cafeteria Talk. And if you happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us five star ratings and reviews. We want to know what you guys think the show um, and all that stuff like that. But Slick Rob, man, usher us into that next piece of what we always got to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we are about to get into the put on segment, y'all boys. Y'all already know this is basically anything that we, that us people at the table have listened to, eaten, read, made that we think you, the people, should check out. And I usually go first, oldest to youngest. And today I'm going to put y'all on some, what's it called? Some, oh, Someone great. So, reason I'm putting y'all on this movie is because, um, so, a lot of y'all don't know, but since I got here to Atlanta, I've been doing some work with some films. Um, nothing too crazy, y'all. Um, no, I'm not famous. Don't plan on being famous, but I do plan yeah. on working on movies. Yeah. But, um, that but, man um, not famous yet. I'm <laughs> Appreciate that. But there's this movie I'm in, um, indescribed role, nothing too serious, with... Um, and the director, um, Jen Robinson, um, um, you know, I've talked to her a couple of times and I didn't realize she wrote someone great. And like mm. that, movie, that movie is gas. So that's pretty cool to be it just be in her presence. And you know what's the crazy part also about Jen? What? She wrote. She I think she's a writer on Thor Love and Thunder. Really? OK, cool. Yeah. So i'm around greatness and i didn't even know it so yeah that's pretty cool y'all could definitely go check out someone great um would you would you say you're around someone great <laughs> ah, <laughs> so 
what you did there. I see what you did there. But yes, definitely go check out Someone Great, the movie. Bro, awesome. Someone Great is one of my favorite rom-coms of all time, bro. I love that movie. It's a 10 out of 10. Amazing. Lakeith Stanfield, Gina Rodriguez, a pair I didn't know I needed. Amazing, 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 amazing. I mean, I might rewatch the movie just because you mentioned it. But yeah, um, I think that's crazy. I didn't even great put on. Yeah. Love that movie. Um, yeah. Let me see. So my put on is a relatively new movie. It came out June 30th. Yeah, like June 30th. Um, Zola uh, starring uh, Riley, Riley Coe. And uh, I remember what's something Paige. Uh, what's her name? Taylor Page. Yeah, Taylor, Taylor Page. Page. I love Taylor yeah. Page. And I've got to see that Bro, movie. Zola was so good, bro. I went to see it with, uh, with Fly Guy Ty. Amazing. It was hilarious. Like, way funnier than I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't think it was going to be a comedy, but it was amazing. Uh, super funny. The cinematography was um, on point. And then, bro, Coleman Domingo showed his whole ass, bro. Coleman Domingo went crazy in this movie. Um, really, really good. And you know, so the guy from um, you, you remember the movie Minutemen? Yes, sir. So the guy that plays Zach, let me pull Zach. Up. Yeah, he's in the movie. That's another reason why I want to watch it. Like I've been hearing about Zola for six months. I first saw it on Instagram tag, and I was like, bro, I gotta watch it. Bro, oh man, What's, I'm trying to pull up the guy's name, the actor's name, <laughs> Minutemen cast. Isn't his name like? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Nah, his name is definitely not Jeff. He's not listed on here. That's or I didn't recognize him. Uh, Nicholas Braun. Uh, he played. He played Zach and Minuteman, and he uh, played. I don't remember his name of his character in Zola, but bro, he did a great job. Everybody in that movie did a great job. Uh, definitely one to check out. Definitely one I'll be revisiting here soon. But like I said, y'all clicked on this episode for a very special reason. To hear us talk about all the things that happened in the MCU this summer. And really, in a lot of ways, the return of the MCU uh, back to the theater with Black Widow. And then, you know, continuing with its, you know, just upward momentum in terms of uh, its hard-hitting series they've been putting out on Disney+. Plus. But before we get into Black Widow and Loki, let's let's talk about a couple MCU news pieces that have come out this summer. The first one being... Marvel Studios has, um, well, actually, Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige have revealed that they will no longer be giving actors multi-film deals from future projects. Um, like, as you know, in the first, you know, phase, not phase, but the first saga, the Infinity Saga, you know, a lot of the, the main actors got multi-film deals, you know, the likes of RDJ, uh, I almost called him Steve Rogers, RDJ, what's that guy's name? Evans, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, um, Sebastian Stan, and many other actors got, you know, nine, ten uh, films in a deal and got paid boatloads of money for it. Um, Marvel's no longer doing that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Slit? Well, actually, you know, it's funny. I did. That was actually my... um. Good Taco, Bad Taco for her Sports XD episode. It was, yeah, it so sure was. I can kind of reiterate that. I, was, I wasn't I was too surprised, but um, I was like, this is going to, this is definitely something different because just due to the fact how Kevin Feige was running things, but mm-hmm. like, I like what Kevin Feige's doing. He's looking at this from a business aspect and a professional aspect. He doesn't want his, like you say, he doesn't want his people feel like they're inclined to a contract. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the MCU is great and all, but you know, like, when you're booked like that, you know, you really are committed to that yeah. role for a long time. And it's kind of hard if you're stuck in that 
box sort of mm-hmm. it's not really you're stuck in a box but like the avenues you want to go as an actor can kind of be limited due to the fact you've been you're going to be playing this character for such a long time so right you're gonna and plus how the mcu runs they're non-stop so you're gonna when you try to book another movie you're gonna have to really look you might have to cancel it depending on your scheduling with this movie so you know absolutely and i like how they've gone about that plus the whole thing with you know how they were how them and um i really shout out to sony because I think Sony, how Sony was trying to work that deal out with Disney, mm-hmm. and Disney couldn't and probably, you know, the Spider-Man thing off of Sony's hands. Kevin Feige's looking like, mm. he's like, honestly, he's like, we would probably, it'd probably be better if we didn't do this, so we won't have to run into this situation. Right. Because like, they were trying to book Tom Holland for, basically forever, honestly, from the way they oh, was talking. Okay, I got you. Yeah, like, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate okay. Kevin Feige for that. Like, I really, like, from an actor standpoint, that was dope. Yeah, you you brought up a, a few good points. Um, I the when you when you talked about how it kind of puts you in like a creative like box. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, to think that RDJ was working on these movies for the better part of like fifteen years. Um, I mean, based on like the movies he did do, it doesn't seem like he had a lot of time for anything else. Um, and that's and that's paramount to a lot of actors. And you know, of course, now fifteen years later. Um, most of these actors, especially the main, like the main Avengers and, you know, some of the bigger, better characters in the MCU are now literally like synonymous with these characters. Literally you watch any other movie of them before or after they did that, did their roles in the MCU. Like they're, they're always going to be Iron Man, always going to be Cap, always going to be Natasha, always going to be uh, Sam. It's just, it just is what it is. And so it's just kind of like, if we can break away from that. And then also, uh, one thing I'm noticing, right? So when the MCU started, you know, it was a very, it was very rocky. Like, it, it, you know, I'm sure when they started, when Iron Man came out, they weren't, they didn't think they would be, you know, 15 years later, 25 movies in. Um, and so the, a lot of the actors that were chosen to, to play the roles of the Avengers and the, the heroes were, they weren't, you know, the upper echelon of the bun. They were at the top of the barrel, you know, RDJ, literally was like this was like this was it for him if he fucked up again he was done in the done in the business chris evans was considering quitting acting um and so but now that the mcu has proven to be you know one of the most lucrative franchises of all time you know now bigger actors are like hey like i can i can do i can do a couple superhero movies and with that those those actors are going to be like hey like i want to be you know such and such but you're also not going to tie me down for the next 10 years because I'm like, I'm a higher echelon actor. I want to do other projects. I can do other projects. So like, you're not going to time me down for 10 years. So there's also, that could also be a reason. And then I also figured uh, kind of my last point on this was just like, when I, when I first heard the news before figuring out really why it happened, I just was like, well, look, you know, it took, it took 23 movies to get to from Iron Man to Endgame. I don't think Marvel, the MCU is going to, going to be trying to do, sagas that long because they know they're going to get butts in the seats it was kind of here or there uh hearsay whether or not you were going to get those butts in the seats especially early on in the infinity saga but now you know every time you put an mcu film you don't fill out a theater every single time so like you don't just have to take um 15 years to to build up this grand story you can maybe do it in three to five and, and so, plus with the expansion of the tv shows helps right. out a lot more 
Right, exactly. So lots of lots of ways to it. Um, I don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing per se. I just think, like you said, a really good business move uh, by Marvel and Kevin Feige and that team. Um, but the next little piece of news that we want to talk about before we get into the to, to the big stuff, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool is a officially in the MCU. This was revealed in a trailer reaction um, by Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool to Ryan Reynolds' new movie, Free Guy, with Thor Ragnarok's Korg, played by Taika Waititi. Bro, what did you think of the video? What did you think? Did Deadpool- hilarious, you, hilarious, hilarious. And I didn't think I needed it, but I did. And I'm just, I'm happy that Deadpool's here. Um, very refreshing. And I can't wait to see how his story goes in the MCU just because of the type of character he is. Like, I'm so happy for that. I'm ready for that. Yeah, was- absolutely. Um, I I enjoy the Deadpool character. Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds. I, I don't find him as entertaining as most do, but you know, Deadpool, those movies are always fun. They always entertain me. Uh, I hope that he brings a couple characters along with them, namely Juggernaut. Juggernaut was so badass in the second Deadpool movie. Loved him. Um, well, I'm pretty sure he survived getting a lightning rod to the ass, but hey, I you know. Straight no, I feel that. But, uh, yeah. It was I really want cool. Domino back. Bro, yeah, Domino. Dog, yeah, like, they. I just think they need to bring, like, his whole, his, like, Deadpool's universe, like, from the first two, from his two movies. Just bring those in. Just, like, just keep all those characters. Whatever. Um, but, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, I, th- I thought Korg was the funny, a funny character. I didn't know, like, their interactions would be so funny. Um, and then, like, just the, the jabs he was throwing, you know, when he talked about... Uh, Oh, did you get a Disney Plus series too? Or um, it was another one he put in there that I thought. I'm trying was really to remember, funny. yeah. But no, it was, yeah, it was really funny and just really unexpected. Like they just like dropped this YouTube video and we were like, oh, okay, bet. I mean, we, we all knew Deadpool was gonna eventually end up there. It was just more so like the how and the when. Um, so real quick before you move in, move on. Like, where do you think what movie you think he'll end up in first, or you think it was on movie or what? Deadpool. Um... Oh, I'd have to play by ear. Like if okay, so movie wise, I'd probably say um the next Avengers movie possibly or possibly not yeah, the next Avengers movie like or I'm pretty sure but I honestly think he's getting his own movie first. Mm-hmm. Just to a good segue on how he ended up in this universe because that is he's the biggest in um not in, but he's Deadpool 3 they're working on it now, aren't they? Yeah, they've been working yeah. on it for about a year. So yeah. I'm I, I'm pretty sure he's gonna get his own movie first. And then or if he just magically makes a cameo. We might have Spider-Man four in two years. We, we never know. We know how much he's been trying to get with Spider-Man. So and plus I'm pretty sure Spider-Man, we don't know, but I'm pretty sure Spider-Man gonna end up seeing different iterations of him. So actually, I don't even know real talk. Yeah, I yeah. think he I think it is, but we don't know what's going on with that movie. But yeah. Uh, we don't know what's going on with the MCU period. But with that, let's move on into actually you're you're gonna usher usher us into this next part, bro. Yes, yes. So as talking about the MCU, let's move straight into we are doing, of course, a two-parter, a two-parter today, um, and we're going to start off with the movies, and we're going to review, of course, the movie that came out back, MCU's introduction back into the movie theaters of 
Scarlett Johansson's produced movie of Black Widow, directed by Kate Shortland. Um, I don't know. Did she? Didn't she write it? I think she wrote it too. Oh, I believe she did. That's the one thing I didn't type in here. Let me see. I, I think, think she did. Yeah, but this is Black Widow, of course, starring Joe, starting Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff with Florence Pugh as Yelena. I don't know how to pronounce her last name for nothing. Belova. Belova. Then we have Rachel Weisz as Rachel Weisz as Melina Volstakov and our boy David Arbor as Red Guardian. I love, bro. Love David Harbour. He's my dog. And then, of course, the infamous Drakov, Ray Winstone. This movie got a 7 out of 10 on IMDb and an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. And wow, that is crazy. And I'm, let me give y'all the synopsis of the movie. I like to give synopsis last. I'm very weird, y'all. I don't yeah, know why. Definitely. But the synopsis, Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow, confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down, Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationships left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. And this is something we've always been wanting. And also, y'all, right now, this is a spoiler. I, I believe this is a spoiler warning for right. anyone yeah, that has not seen warning. Black Widow. Y'all could just pause right now, stop it right now, go watch the movie. If you theaters, Disney Plus, go do that right now before we even. All right. All right. We tried to stop y'all, but there y'all go. There y'all go. So, all right, let's Absolutely. get straight into it. Real quick, let me let me run y'all through our movie rating system, kind of how we do things here. First, we go through them visuals. How does the movie look? Does it catch the viewer's eye? This encompasses costumes, lightscape, CGI, all that. Second, we go through the story. What is it about? Does it tell a well-paced story? Comment writing, tone, structure, all of that pacing, all that good stuff. And then lastly, we'll get the implications. What are we left with? Do we want more sequels, prequels, spinoffs, uh, futures for characters, all that stuff? So, um, so... Slick Rob, what were your what were your thoughts, man? You, you, you sat down, you're back in the theater for the first time uh, since 2019. Spider Man Far From Home is the last MCU film to have come out in theaters. Um, you're in the theater, you finally get Black Widow, you see that Marvel fanfare. What are your thoughts, man? What do you think? Well, sadly, I wasn't able to view this in the theater due to my scheduling, so I actually had to get this on Disney+. Plus. So, Ah, uh, okay. So, hey, Quattro, if you want to go back and watch it again, because I know you're with my Disney... I think, I think you yeah, want to keep it on I'm still on it, yeah. Bet. Yeah, I, I think definitely. we could go... You could go back and watch it again. I, I should have texted you that and told you I got it on Disney+, Plus, so you could have prepared yourself for this even more, but it's all good. But honestly... No, I, I rewatched it twice on, on, my, on my little bootleg site. Hey, bro, do what you got to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can't what be talking. I, be do, I did that. I'm the one that put y'all on that all game. But yeah, what I thought about Black Widow, man, it is about damn time. Like, I literally, like, pretty sure what 75% of us were thinking, it is about damn time Natasha gets her her movie. And, like, I was just, I was happy because, like, she's one of my favorite MCU characters just because of the the unknowing of what she what she went through and who she is. Because mm-hmm. she's the, she's really is a spy. So, with spies... So many different things, so many different layers you could tackle. And we finally got what we needed to under because there's things that Natasha did in the MCU that we like. This doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. Why? We wanted to know the why. And finally, we've got the why on Natasha. And it was, I was, 
I was very happy just to get the why of Natasha Romanoff and mm-hmm. sat, I was satisfied. Yeah, I um I kind of everything you said, I I kind of came away thinking like this movie was plagued by a lot of different elements that MCU movies normally aren't played with, especially, you know, like I said, this is the first movie back uh, since 2019 to be in theaters in terms of the MCU. Um, And so like it had a lot riding on the soldiers that people are like waiting to get back in theaters and see an MCU movie. Um, This is, this is the first of four MCU movies coming out this year alone. So it was like, okay, man, this movie has to come out like with the, come out with the bang because it's the first one people are waiting on this. And like, I've, this movie would have come out in the normal progression. It would have came out, boom, we, we would have been, we probably would have had Spider-Man by now at this point if the pandemic hadn't happened. So um, this movie, I, I didn't feel like this was Marvel's best foot forward coming back from the pandemic because it just was like, this movie was already late as it is because we should have got this movie in phase one or two. So it was like- I'd prob- I honestly, I'd say phase two. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, phase two. So it was like- Okay, like, and plus, this movie was coming out after the character uh, Black Widow was had already, like, officially died in, in Avengers Endgame. So it was like, why are we doing this? Because, like, really, aside from Yelena Belova, there, this movie really had no other bearing on the greater MCU, which is why, like, which is why I was I, like... Oh, I'll get into that later. I'll get into they, that later for you. They, honestly, they could have just done, like... I could have. This could have been an easy six six episode Disney Plus series, setting up like finishing up, uh, do, like doing this mo- doing this movie basically, and then giving us a little bit more Yelena Belova, and then boom, like there you are, like that's that be the Black Widow, like honestly, give All right, me I can ride with you there. Give me maybe make make I I'll give them both. Make either WandaVision. Or Falcon and Winter Soldier, more so Falcon and Winter Soldier, a movie, and then replace that with like this a Black Widow series, and then like probably a, a little bit more, a little bit better the stomach. But honestly, in terms of just like the movie itself, um, visually, of course. So like the movie looked amazing to me. I thought it had great cinematography moments. Uh, the suits looked great. Um, I also really liked the beginning sequence. Um, it just really, it, it felt really uncharacteristic for the MCU. Just really like, it, like Ty would say, uh, he said it, he felt very art house and it, it did to me. Like I, I didn't mm-hmm. feel, cause usually a lot of their, um, a lot of their origin type stories are like solo, uh, superhero films start off kind of the same with that. Like it was like a little bit of narration and like um like a a blast to like the very like when the when the hero was probably a kid or something like that and this movie like kind of was a little different in, in in that and i thought that was really cool what did you think visually about the movie visually honestly when the movie started i was like am i watching the a24 film i literally said that mm-hmm. i literally said that as soon and as the, the same movie, exact thought i was like interesting so i was already glued cuz i was like i did not expect it to look like this i'm like hmm Interesting. Okay. And like visually, I loved it. Um, it gave me a little bit of some Winter Soldier vibes. Um, just Absolutely. a tad like visually wise, like with some of the stuff I saw. And then it made more sense when I found out the Russos helped Kate Shortland with post-production on this movie. So I was like, mm. it makes perfect sense. That's cool. So um, and like 
like the beginning sequence was dope. Um, and like the shots and how they went about the shots with them together. And one of my favorite, like visually wise, is the is definitely the the, the dinner table scene. Like the stuff I we saw that so much in the trailer, mm-hmm. but just it looked so more. It looked very interesting when I was actually watching the movie, just how they went about that. Cause I think they said they spent, that was one of the main, that was one of the first things they wrote in the script was that scene. And I know mm-hmm. they, I know they wasn't playing with that scene. Cause that scene looked great. Like the shots, everyone had their close ups with that, that really delved into their character psyche in that moment. And I loved it. Um, In the end, I like I like I like the ending shot too when she when when she got the jet and all that and the fly off here and the I like I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, when she uh when she was in her her Infinity War uh gear, yeah, had it to had it to go into to that whole deal. That was really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, just costumes. Had, great. Usually this movie like felt very good, like very like it felt like a very watered down like spy movie. Uh, spy movies are a little bit more. At least the better ones are a little bit more, you know, cavalier with their shots in terms of cinematography. I, I picture things like 007, Bond, Skyfall. Uh, I picture things like Tenet. Um, what other spy movie am I thinking of? But like the later Mission Impossibles, mm-hmm. uh, like they just do really crazy stuff with their shots. Uh, Black Widow like tried to emulate this a little bit, but you know it's played by the fact that it is an MCU movie and. Yeah, you know, it's still a superhero movie, so it's 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 gonna kind of fall into those tropes. But all in all, visually, a pretty I'd say for like in terms of the like the greater MCU, one of the better movies in terms of cinematography for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And given that it's kind of more of a spy movie, there's not a lot of CG going on with it. Yeah, um, I I'm sure there is, but I can't pinpoint exactly what was probably CGI. Uh, one thing I will say, the wig, the Infinity War wig at the end, terrible. Y'all must have had Tyler Perry do the wig or something. I don't know what y'all had going on with that that blonde wig, but shout out. <laughs> um, but moving on to the story, man. Um, what did you think of the story? Just like the overall um, picking up with Black Widow after the events of uh, Civil War. What did you think? Honestly, I liked it um, because it didn't. I didn't want to be dealing with the jargon of hearing, like, I didn't really want to be dealing with it being that she's still on the run. She's still on the run. Like, I've seen, mm-hmm. like, I was, because a lot of people don't know this. They was like, we really want to know what, what Black Widow did after she went on the run. Well, technically, there's actually a book before Infinity War, a comic book that they have that you can find on YouTube that explains what went down in those two years with her, mm-hmm. Steve Rogers, and Sam Wilson. Well, towards the end of it, it shows it. So it's not... I really didn't want to see that because I'm like, I, I need something different. I need something new. I like the story of her trying to clear her ledger. Um, like that was one of the biggest things that like with her character arc total, like I think this does give her character arc the complete mm-hmm. because that was the biggest thing of our introduction to Black Widow, her ledger with the first Avengers and then the stuff with, with Winter Soldier. Like I believe this story of her, you know, you know, her getting back with Yelena, meaning go back up with everybody, take down Dracov completely. I I liked it because it just her overall character arc and her character development throughout the entire MCU, I think it gave it full justice just mm-hmm. because she finally it and it honestly made sense of why she did what she did. I know a lot of people are still confused on why the hell did she sacrifice herself? 
from a standpoint, I kind of understand why she did what she did. Because, like, it makes sense for her to... She's finally let go of the weight of Dracov's daughter, who, yes, you know, turned out to be Taxmaster, who a lot of people didn't like. I, I was okay with it, honestly, because it wouldn't make sense. I didn't think it would make sense if it was the real Taskmaster, because mm-hmm. would have been like, okay, what the hell did he get into after all this happened? Yeah. It makes more sense that it was Dracov's daughter who was this iteration of Taskmaster. Plus, obviously, anyone could go find another Taskmaster. But right. it made more sense for her to finally clear off her ledger, reunite her family, and she feels like she's done her work. And like, it just it it I felt it did it did Natasha justice. Well, her character arc. I feel like it, the story gave her did her justice. Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you in terms of, you know, this really is the it fills in a lot of holes in her character arc as a as a as a hero and a character in the MCU, which is really cool. And so to to see her her character finally come to fruition is is good. Um I definitely really liked how this movie really focused on the fact that you know, she does have two families in the Avengers and then, you know, her family with Alexi, Yelena and Melina. Uh, th- those characters, amazing. I think Alexi and Yelena straight up stole the show. Uh, they were incredibly funny. I'd hope to see more of Alexi, especially I love David Arbor. He's amazing. So I hope to see more of him. And then, of course, this movie was definitely a launch pad for Yelena to take kind of the Black Widow role. Um, from Scarlett Johansson, you know, kind of passing the torch. I thought that was really cool. Um, although, so one of the things I like, and this kind of is an implication thing, but we're still in story. But like, mm-hmm. so what I'm really excited about is that like this next larger phase of the MCU, you know, after the Infinity Saga, uh, which I'm dubbing now uh, just loose dub, the Multiverse Saga, the Multiversal War Saga, uh, is that like, because the MCU has been around so long, there's a, I feel like, at the beginning of the of the saga, there's a lot more planning done. Like I feel like they probably have this entire saga. They, no, I know they do because they they, they he, like you said that already. He was yeah, like Kevin he has it mapped it. out. He has it mapped out already. So like we're gonna get Easter eggs, a little moments, a little lines, and stuff like that. That's gonna allude to things that happen in the future of the MCU. And then unlike the Infinity Saga, where they'll keep kind of building on top of it, because of course you know, when they made Iron Man in 2008, I'm sure they weren't thinking about, you know, what Endgame was going to look like in 2019. I'm sure they had like a rough idea and, or maybe some spitball and some, you know, little beats that they were going to do, but they really did not know, okay, we're going to go from Iron Man to Iron Man 2. We're going to go to Iron, we're going to go to Captain America. We're going to go to, to Captain Marvel. We're going to go to Doctor Strange, Black Panther to get to Endgame. But now they know, hey, we're going to go from, we're going to go from Spider-Man, we're going to go from uh, Scarlet Witch to Falcon and the Soldier to Loki to Black Widow, and then so on and so forth and forever never amen. So it's like, it's cool. We, in this next saga, we're going to see little little bits and pieces as we go along. And we'll definitely talk more about that as we talk about the next you know thing that happened this summer. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of cool how, you know, now that the old saga's over with Black Widow, that's, Black Widow's technically the beginning of Phase 4, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so you know, kind of Black Widow is kind of the bow, the bow on top of the big president, the president of the Infinity Saga, and then so now we're about to get get into this next thing. But um, anything else? Oh, 
Drakeoff, I uh, actually kind of enjoyed his character. Uh, I would say he's like middle of the pack in terms of villains in the MCU, but I thought he was really cool. Um, just kind of like the control that he amassed, I thought was kind of cool. And then that final scene with 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 him beating the hell out of Natasha, I, that was crazy to me. And then the yeah. fact that the the scene where she's like, you know, I needed you to break my nose to get the pheromones, but like, uh, you weren't strong enough, so I have to do it myself. I was like, shit. <laughs> That's that Me Too thing they were talking about. Remember when I mentioned it to you? There there was this little Me Too vibe for Black Widow. You think? I no no that's what someone said. Oh, like, I got you. Some big person mentioned it, and I was like, "Where? How?" Like when I went back and watched it, I was like, "That's what they were referring to." Just that line. I'm like, "Bro, are you are you serious, bro?" That I was. Mean, I, I feel like that's a reach, but yeah, like it was definitely a reach. I mean, movie definitely has moments where it was like, definitely, like, oh, okay, well, like, we're on our woman power thing. I mean, but like, there's 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 movies that do it way worse. There's movies that do it way better, but like. Um, I I didn't I didn't see it as a problem for the movie person. Definitely not. Definitely didn't um, see it as a problem. One thing I did see as a problem though, I felt like there was a little more um phallocentrism in this movie than there like there needed to be. Right. So like, what I mean by that is so like when the when the MCU first started, right, the first movie Black Widow was was featured in was Iron Man two, and you know she was a very over-sexualized character at the time, you know, well, all of her clothes were tight, you know, the sexual looks and sexual innuendo that surrounded her character, of course, that happened. And then, you know, they kind of, they watered it, they, they brought it back as, as you know, the times changed and, and people, the right people were getting in the writer's room and in the costume room, you know, things started to change for her. And then after Avengers 2, um, they stopped passing her around to all the different Avengers because at one point she was going to get with Steve and then and then Banner, you know, people were shipping her and um and Clint and then but then after Winter Soldier there was a change where like okay, Black Widow is an Avenger, she is a female character and she does her thing. And which set the course for many of the uh, all the women that followed her in the MCU, your Carol Danvers, your Shuri's, your your other MCU characters that are badass as fuck. And not overly sexualized, but then in this movie, uh, there were there were there were little, there were shots and 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 sequences that seemed very like a step backwards in a sense. Like, like I know what when you I, mean. Whenever we watched it, there was a scene where she was reading a card or something like that, and like she had this like V neck um, shirt on, and it was like, I mean, of course, like what you what you gonna focus on? Not what she's holding in her hand, you know? You gonna focus on her chest or like the shots of her of her behind or like. Um, was one other one I was thinking of, but just little stuff like that. I was like, "Well, I thought we had like grown up past this in a sense," but uh, I don't know. What did you think? Did you kind of get the get that? Well, vibe? like, okay, I really did get the vibes because I like I there was a couple spurts and moments of it, but not as much as it's been before. Right. So like, I. Like I was like, okay, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, not surprising to see this. Um, I'm not. It, plus, it was Kate Shortland. I didn't think Kate would would put would do that to um to that to Scarlett Johansson. I did see the couple spurts, but I didn't feel it was too much like it's been before. Yeah, yeah it like, definitely was. I, I, I saw it. I was like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like. I'm like, yeah, I could. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, maybe could have went a different shot there, but maybe. 
they shot other things. So maybe they just thought that shot specifically mm. fed more into the next shot or something like that. Creatively, maybe they thought that was the better shot. Um, I see that. I was just like, they just weren't going boom, 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 boom. Right, but yeah, right, right. I did. I know what you're talking about. So I was like, mm, I'm like, okay, I'm like, man, I'm like, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Um. What was it? it was one other thing I wanted to say about uh, black black widow. Nah, yeah, I mean that, that was pretty much it for me. Like I, I for the most part, I enjoyed it. Um, in my overall MCU ranking, it, it falls pretty much dead in the middle. Um, it's not great. It's not, it's not terrible. Uh, it's Black Widow. Honestly, like at the end of the day, like, cause it took me a minute to kind of really gather my thoughts on what I felt about this movie, even score it. But, um, at, at, for me, it's like, look, the Black Widow box is checked for the MCU. We got our movie. Now we can get, get on to, you know, whatever this next greater story is going to be, whatever the next saga is going to be now that this movie's over, you know, uh, all the all the original Avengers have gotten their send off, except Clint, which will of course be in the Hawkeye series uh, that comes out. But, um, yeah, man. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about these implications real quick before we move on. Uh, so just greater MCU implications from this movie. Well, greater M- MCU implications definitely. Um, we definitely want to see more Yelena Belova. We all have been saying that ever since the movie was getting started when they even casted her um, mm-hmm. because Florence Pugh was getting in her bag right, right as she was getting casted. Like that was to this day is going to be one of my favorite MCU castings of all time. Because oh I literally, God, yeah. when she got casted, I had saw her in um, I, we had summer just, probably, right? No, Fighting With Our Family. Oh, yeah. What a film. Literally. Amazing. I think a day after or two days after or a week after we watched that movie, I find out she got cast and I'm like, wait, pause. That's freaking, what's her name? So, yeah. And definitely this tying into my biggest thing for greater MCU implications, you know, Val, you know, I wish they wouldn't have told us Val was originally supposed to appear in Black Widow. Because it would have been such a... Because I kind of figured she was in the end credit scene when they said she was originally... Her first appearance was supposed to be in Blackwood. I'm like, well... Mm, okay, I didn't know that. They, All right. Yeah, the director mentioned it from Falcon and Winter Soldier. But, like, just her, like... Like, things are definitely getting weird. Because I'm like, bro, first of all, how the hell you even know how Natasha died? Because, like, they watered down... fact. Because they watered down what the Avengers really did to get everyone back. They watered it down. And I don't remember what they said, because you can see it in Steve Rogers' thing and Cap- Falcon and Winter Soldier. They mentioned what happened to all the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark sacrificed himself. Black Wid- it's, I think it says Black Widow sacrificed himself. They, in the MCU, they watered down what really happened. The only people that really know what really happened are the ones that were actually there. there Sam right. Wilson doesn't even know everything. Exactly. And that's and that's the crazy thing because like Like Val knows everything. The only project that like really dives into the the amount that the public actually knows about the Avengers are the Spider-Man films. You know, you know, through the the little news clips that the students do and and little little pieces like that. Like we get little spurts here and there in other movies and people talk about, you know, allude to that they know that the Avengers are an entity that on their planet. But like we actually see just like in Spider-Man Far From Home, it's revealed that Thanos is a name that's known amongst the public. They know who Thanos is. So it's it's kind of interesting to see just how much they know and how so how much Val knows. Um, 
But yeah, nah, Val definitely everything you said, Yelena uh, Belova, of course, kind of the new Black Widow. I kind of hope that like she creates recreates the network of, of widows to like retrofit her and like make her the leader of the Black Widows, and then like she's kind of like the new Drakeoff, but like you know, obviously not you know controlling the women. But honestly, I feel like Melina. Because remember, mm, Melina that would be a with, good, yeah. she worked with Drakeoff through most of, because remember, Red Guardian got thrown in jail. Drakeoff said, hey, bro, appreciate appreciate the fatherhood. Yeah, we taking you to jail. Whoa. Melina's been with Drakeoff from the jump. Like, she still was working with Drakeoff, remember? Like, yeah. the fact she went along with the plan means she's been trying to take Drakeoff down. So I was really curious, and how she acted, too, in the movie, when she yeah. said everything. I was like... That was pretty crazy. I, I, that was that was a good twist. I like that. I'm like Melina, you because remember she's the Iron Maiden in the comics. So like, mm. this something. And these shoes were controlling them pigs. Like, that, Melina, that, somebody that to watch out for with the with the air with the uh, hold your breath. That was pretty yep. crazy. We didn't talk about we didn't talk a lot about Taskmaster, but I did like Taskmaster. He was like she was badass, cool as fuck. Hope to see more yeah. of her. Um, definitely but yeah man like I like I said this movie besides Yelena Belova really didn't have Yelena and you know Val at the end didn't have much to do with the greater MCU just kind of a box to check but all in all good film let's go ahead and uh, rank this bad boy out of 10 before we move on Um, I'm sitting on 6 out of 10 it was kind of just middle of the pack for me I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a 7 okay I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Just because it, it literally what I expected. Mm-hmm. It's literally my my expectations for Black Widow were all met. Nothing too much greater besides the end credit scene. But I kind of suspected that after they mentioned she was supposed to appear in Black Widow. Uh, I'm still mad at the director for saying that. Well, a Falcon Winter Soldier. He should have never said that. Yeah, actually, I talked to Ty about that this morning and because uh, we did our review uh, as recording this the same day. Um, and we were talking about how I, I asked, like, so then, what did they? I asked if they had added this scene on to Black Widow after you know Winter Soldier, and like no. So we were supposed to meet Val in this movie, you know, back when it was supposed, was supposed to come out, and then you know it would be revealed who she actually is in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But it kind of worked out on the back end, you know, because low key, yeah, you still had the same exact uh, su- surprise, you know, that like oh, this character from the shows is on the screen uh, on the big screen so this is really cool to get that connective tissue going yeah Uh, now although so one of the things that i felt was dangerous about the shows as we move into this next thing was that okay they've kind of been ambiguous to the fact like hey you don't necessarily have to have seen the shows to understand the films but then this moment with val you know if you haven't watched the shows um, are you confused? Do you, are you like? Are you like? Who the hell is this? Um, although, if you have watched shows, you know exactly who that is. But then again, mm-hmm. so my my thinking kind of on that has changed. Is I'm like, look, if <laughs> if you if you claim to be an MCU fan and you've been following the movie since Iron Man up till now, why you wouldn't watch the shows doesn't make sense. Like, I get that it's kind of a chore to have to watch, you know, a series, uh, an entire series of a show to understand a movie. And like series is loose because bro, like Loki, Loki is six episodes, bro. That's 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 nothing. <laughs> so if if you don't do the due diligence to watch the shows and then be confused in the movies, I can't be. I can't necessarily have like sympathy for you. 
Like, bro, do the work. <laughs> yep. But man, as we move on, um, with that, we Black Widow gets a six point five out of ten table score. Um, all in all, okay film. But moving on, man, to the to the big one, man. We're gonna move into Loki, the sixth episode limited series, not limited series, apparently, from Disney Plus and the MCU. Um, let me get into it real quick. Uh, where's the synopsis at? Oh, there it is. The synopsis reads, Loki, the god of mischief, steps out of his brother's shadow to embark on an adventure that takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame. Starring Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Owen Wilson as Mobius, Sophia D. Martino as Sylvie, Gugu Mabatha-Ra as Ravana, Wanmi Mosaku as B-15, and Tara Strong as Miss Minutes. This show got an 8.7 on IMDb and a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, real quick before we get into it, we have a little system for our TV ratings as well. Uh, we first talk about the story. What is it about? Does it tell a well-paced story? We comment on a writing tone structure. Two, we also going to look at the characters. Do they carry the show forward? Are they interesting enough to watch them again and again? And then lastly, implications. What are we left with? Do we want more episodes, seasons, spinoffs? Um... Yeah, man. So before we kind of go episode by episode, since this is a pretty short one, um, just like early thoughts, you know, on Loki. What did you think? Early thoughts on Loki. Um, I thought it was something new and different and mm-hmm. definitely out of the box because there's so much they could do with it. Given the fact which iteration of Loki it is, this is the early, early Loki. This is not Loki after Thor, the Dark World or getting into infinity war or after infinity war this is low-key avengers and that's when loki was still at his best honestly very pompous mm-hmm. you know didn't care he would step on anybody's neck he was very mischiefy honestly this is really mm-hmm. the, this was really when he was the god of mischief like my favorite loki was loki from the first door just due to how like the the weight of being thor's brother was on him and like uh this is my favorite loki and the fact we were getting him in the loki series or starting off the loki series is something i wanted and um just how they were going about it like in the and then the freaking cast bro you already know i love lovecraft country bro i talk about it all the time but wumi mosaku when i found out she was in this show i'm like bro why are you doing this to me like because i love her and then google my bathroom I didn't know she was in the. I didn't know she was in the show. I found out she was in the show a little bit after I finished um, the morning show. Um, mm-hmm. So that's her, what I've seen her in. Oh yep, seeing her from I the morning cannot, show. Bro, you just unlocked the door, bro. I could, for the longest yeah. could not remember what I saw. Yeah. What I saw her in. Like the cast was stacked. Like I was like, bro, y'all got my dog. You got my dog from the morning show. My dog from Lovecraft Country, and then of course. They got old Wilson. Like, I was like, bro, y'all got a good cast. Like, this better be good if y'all have a stat cast like this. And uh, I was I was impressed and I was loved by Loki just because the cast did their thing and the relationships that were built. I did not think it was going to be this good. And the, well, they already said Loki going to play a big factor in the MCU. So, yeah, we got to get into that. So I was definitely ready for Loki. Just, just all the stuff I was hearing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I definitely uh, kind of agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, when the show started, 
I felt like it kind of had a rough start, but then you know once it got to the middle, um, middle of the middle of the season, like it got really, really good, really strong. Um, I I just really felt that. Um, sorry, I just I just got lost my train of thought. But yeah, I I felt it was really strong. Like it, it really it warmed me up to Lo- to Loki. Like Loki was one of my you know least favorite characters in the MCU, and this show really kind of changed my thinking on him. I really enjoyed uh, watching Tom Hiddleston play that character again, um, and kind of just the doors that this show opens um, were, were really strong. But moving in kind of to some story stuff. Um, Episode one, um, we, we're not going to stay long on it because we did Robert, Jesus, Slick Rob and uh, DJ Noah did do a uh, pilot review uh, called Glorious Purpose uh, in a cafe session. So we won't stay on, on episode one long, but all in all, I thought it was a pretty OK pilot, you know, getting to really understand and explain what the TVA is and how they operate was really cool. Yeah, like everything you said, um, I thought it was pretty cool. Um they didn't focus too much on Loki's backstory and all that good stuff. They just went straight into, they literally just went straight into, hey, bro, like, you're a variant. They explained what the timekeepers are and what we do, and this how it's going to be. So you finna deal with us for a long time, and I thought that was pretty cool. Like, Absolutely. They, didn't, they didn't, like, it didn't take 30 minutes to figure out what the hell is the TVA. Oh, no, you figured out what the TVA was as soon as you stepped into the TVA. Right. <laughs> like, it was literally, like, boom, like, like they just went like this like boom like with all the characters they just were like yeah we're this and you're finna deal with it yeah yeah and then a little easter eggs they threw in there because the writer of loki is writing you know he wrote um multiverse of madness so you know oh really okay yeah the little spurts of the easter eggs into the other mcu was pretty cool not too much Cause you know, there's so sometimes there's too much MCU mm-hmm. Easter eggs, and then here it was just like, yep, mm-hmm, that 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 that. So yeah, I thought it was good, especially they, comparably speaking to how crazy they went in episode five. But we'll get there. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> episode two, the variant Mobius puts Loki to work, but not everyone at the TVA is thrilled about his presence. Yeah. Episode two. To be honest, with episode two, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting and different because, um, like Loki going, like Loki in the mission, like <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking, bro, this man got to turn on them, right? Like, bro, they don't trust you. So, bro, if you don't trust me, you send me on a mission. I've gained your respect. I'm sorry, but if I'm Loki, I'm gonna break it, like real talk, because I want, I want the timekeepers, and like, I was surprised he didn't just like throughout the entire mission didn't find a way to duplicate himself. I'm like, bro, you could, because he could technically use his powers in those aspects, but he didn't like, mm-hmm. I guess that showed a different character of Loki. Loki was starting to change a little bit, yeah. but I was looking like, Hey man, that was, that was actually, that was a point of contention for me in the, in the show as a whole, not, not, not him not using his powers, but like the fact that like they Mobius was so hell bent on like trusting Loki that that Loki was a different person and can be different, but like this is villain Loki. Like like I would have been I would have been like I'd have been like okay with the fact that they were like willing to think they could trust him, you know, after Ragnarok. But this is villain Loki. He's given you zero reasons to believe that you can trust him or anything he says. So like, 
and the fact that you've dealt with tons of other Lokis that have proven that they can't be trusted, why he was so hell-bent on trusting Loki made no sense to me. But maybe because he saw what he could become. He saw the potential of him being good. Possibly. This is true because he's deaf. Because he, like, yeah, that's actually a good point. Because he's also, he's, I'm sure Mobius has seen Loki and Ragnarok and things Loki like Loki's ending and Endgame. So he obviously sees that. Hey, like, I know you can. I know you can be this. You just need to see it for yourself. Okay, that's actually a good point. You changed my mind on that, Loki. Um, in this episode, we also met Sylvie for the first time. Uh, Sophia Di Martino's character. Uh, she was cool. She seems she, she was straight. She was whatever. Um. But yeah, moving on to episode three. Oh, and that uh, ending. That ending was straight crazy. I'm like, I know. You what know was the ending to episode two? Oh. oh when Loki uh All the all the branches were made. Yeah. Set yeah, off yeah. all the all the tent pads. Set up all the branches. We all like everybody thinking, oh my god, multiverse, 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 multiverse. Bro, exactly. <laughs> that ending was crazy. The ending um, was definitely crazy. Moving on to episode three, Lamentus. Loki finds out that the variant plans finds out the variant's plans, but he has his own scheme that will forever alter both their destinies. Episode three was gas. I think this Pretty was. Right. I think it was. This was when they broke about Loki being um bisexual. Yeah, bisexual. Yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Um. I wish they wouldn't have mentioned it before. Like a lot of the things, like I said, like they, I don't know if you heard this, but they were mentioning Loki is going to probably be one of like Loki. They're going to, they, they Loki's going to have some implication with LGBTQ. So I was like, bro, why do you are saying this, bro? Can we just see it for ourselves and then react to it? Well, this was, this is me on Instagram, y'all. That's all it is. But I like the episode, you know, really diving into Loki and Sylvie's psyche at the same time because they're both Lokis. So, and then really starting to understand each other. And Loki kind of gained the upper advantage on his variant. Mm-hmm. was kind of cool because I figured this was going to be them fighting each other and going at it. But this is literally them working together to get out of a situation. Absolutely. And awesome. I thought it was cool the that, that she was hiding off and like... And like apocalypses, like she hit out on like I don't think it was Pompeii, but it was kind of like the same exact thing that happened in Pompeii happened in that place they they checked out yeah. the first time with him and Mobius, and then for them to um, go on and then end up on Lamentis, which was like it's gonna die anyway, was kind of cool to me. Um, mm-hmm. I like the train scene and like really like you said, really diving into the psyche of both Sylvie and Loki, you know, hammering out. Yes, they both are Lokis, but like they are different at the same time. Um, so far, Sylvie is the only female Loki we've seen. So um, that was also pretty cool. Yeah. But moving so. into episode four. So like at this point, guys, like the show for me skyrocketed. Like this is when the boosters kicked in and like shit went in the shit went in the gear. Uh, <laughs> episode four. The, yeah, basically episode four, the Nexus event. Frayed nerves and paranoia infiltrate the TVA as Mobius and Hunter B-15 search for Loki and Sylvie. Yeah, <laughs> this this was great. So at the end of episode three, Loki and Sylvie are rescued by the TVA and brought back to um, the TVA and get to meet the timekeepers for the first time. <laughs> Boy. Bro, for me, man, this was wild, like, because I wasn't expecting it to, like, this really was just a banger, like, and they didn't even rest. They went straight into it, like, and that's what I liked about Loki. Loki literally, like, this show, like I mentioned, just went 
boom, 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 boom. If you missed it, you missed it. Like, we're going to keep going because we got more shit coming. Like, and and this dove more into the psyche of who the hell is the TVA and who runs the TVA, which, right. is the, which we definitely got paid off in the end, but we'll get to that. Like, and I liked um with this with this episode, I really did like seeing Lady Sif again because I love Lady Sif, Jamie Alexander. The fact she's returning in Thor Love and Thunder. Yes. Is she? Yes, she is. Oh, yes, sir. But, um, like, you know, and this, you know, and then Mobius, you know, Mobius' character getting more love and, like, yeah. his overall changing of gears, I thought was pretty gas. And then this, you know, kind of was basically Sylvie's, almost Sylvie's backstory. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool. And they layered it out very well. Like, episode four was definitely cool. It, it it was it was the biggest what the hell just happened at the end like when they were getting pruned and stuff I'm like yeah when Ravana and uh Ravana and Mobius had just had that great moment you know when they yeah. had like had a drink and like yo our friendship like has been like something that hasn't been seen in time and then boom Prune. um she she's like prune him and I'm like damn like what whoa what that's your boy like how you gonna prune your boy like that but she's like I'm look saying. you portray the timekeepers type shit like you gotta go. But uh, yeah, this this episode four is my favorite episode of the season. Like a lot of great things about it. The acting was amazing in it. Uh, that the the interview scene between Mobius and Loki, where Mobius is like, "Yo, like what the fuck," and like Loki's like, "Look, like you're being uh, manipulated. You need to like help me." And like that, just an amazing scene. Love this episode. Yeah. Definitely my favorite of the season. But moving on to episode five, journey into mystery. Loki tries to escape the void, a desolate purgatory where he meets variant versions of himself. Loki meets classic Loki, played by Richard E. Grant. Kid Loki, played by Jack Veal. Boastful Loki, played by Diobia Aperi. Aperi? Yeah. Okay. Uh, President Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston. And Alligator Loki. Alligator Loki, played by a green little puppet. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, your thoughts on this episode? Gas, like this episode was so like funny because like you know in episode four at the end of the episode we got our first in in post mid credit scene whatever you want to call it right and then this right here just this really did show Tom Hiddleston's range because dealing with different iterations of Loki's and how you react to it and then basically reacting to yourself because seeing President Loki mm-hmm. and you looking like oh my god. He's like, what am I going to do? Like, this was so cool. Like, and I'm just like, mm. this was like, like, I don't feel like none of these episodes were filler. If there was a filler, filler type episode, I definitely feel like this could have been the filler, filler type episode. But this really did focus on Loki getting to where he needed to be mm-hmm. to get to getting to the timekeepers or the person that ran the timekeepers. So I thought this was I thought this was pretty awesome. My fair part. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. My fair part of this episode was definitely the little things they did, the little spurts of the Easter eggs all around with the the Thanos copter. I'm like, oh, so y'all just ain't playing. Y'all say, hey man, yeah, that did this that nigga. I'm like, bro, I can't play with y'all. This was pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say like this was like a filler episode. Like it kind of was, but like this is more of like what I like to call, and I'm sure there's an official name or for an official name for something like this. I just don't know what it is. Uh, kind of like the break the mundanity episode where like you'll be going through the show like um, or especially if a show kind of keeps the same kind of setting 
for a lot of episodes at a time. So like then they'll like they'll throw in episodes like this, especially after like a major thing happens. Especially this usually happens like at the end of a season, like a major thing will happen, and then they'll throw in like a little filler break the Monday episode before they really dive into what happened in that episode. Um, I think about like the Ember Island players um, mm-hmm. episode for Avatar: Last Airbender, or you know we both seen the morning show. Um, Gugu Mbatha Ra was in that show, so there's yeah. an episode where um, the team like does uh, an away trip to. It wasn't Vegas. Like they mentioned what happened in Vegas, the Vegas shooting, but that wasn't it. It was a fire yeah. somewhere. It was a fire or something going on somewhere in the country. And mm-hmm. so they broke away from the normal New York setting and like the the where the newsroom was and where it had to go like away. And that and that whole episode was based in like where that fire was and it was very different. They were their their clothing was very different because of where they were. It just was a very like, okay, this is like a different setting, just kind of get some more character stuff going yeah. on. So like definitely that's what this episode kind of operated as, and I thought it was really cool. Um, you mentioned the Easter eggs, you know. You mentioned the Thanos copter. that was funny. Uh, you saw uh, Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. Yeah, I feel like I said that right, Mjolnir. Yeah. Yellow Jacket's helmet from Ant Man. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. The dark, a dark aster from Thor: The Dark World, um, an Avengers helicarrier, Throg, who was played by Chris Hemsworth, Thor yeah, himself. himself. And you see cool. um, a broken statue of the living tribunal, the living tribunal, which I never thought would be in the MCU. I uh, hope we actually get a real living tribunal because that would be insane. And yeah, finally, true. the one that I'm gonna I'm gonna mention real quick. Uh, there was a, a, a building uh, that looked like Avengers Tower, but instead of it saying having A or Stark on it, it said Kang Enterprises. Uh, Kang yeah. spelled Q U E N G. Uh, yeah, callback. Yeah. We'll get into that in a second, but yeah, this whole episode was just crazy. Um, a, them seeing Loki and uh, Sylvie devise a plan to enchant Elias in order to escape the void. Very interesting, very cool, very beautiful sequence. Seeing um, classic Loki recreate Asgard that was really cool. Like, yeah, this I forgot episode the classic Loki fit. This yeah. episode probably had to be like probably one of the most expensive episodes that they've done out of all three series. Mm, most definitely. But any more thoughts on episode five before we move on to the episode six, man? Um, yeah, the last little spurts, some of the last the spurts with um B fifteen. You know, I liked mm, I yeah. liked how they went about with her. Like that was pretty cool to see. You know, she was happy. You know, you know her and Sylvie having that moment. I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I was like, man, give B-15 some justice. Like, I, I liked, like, it's feel like every side character got their moment and she finally got her moment there and I loved it. Yeah, I, um, what was it? DJ Nua mentioned um, in y'all's Glorious Purpose review that he wasn't really sold on her acting and I wonder if, like, his tone has changed uh, from, you know, then to now. Well, honestly, I didn't really agree with that. Um, I don't know if y'all could tell in our I episode. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't agree with it. I think it's because no knock to him but you know he does a lot of theater stuff she is mm. nothing but straight film and tv so you know mm. there's a different process you go about that stuff and like the way she was acting in low-key in the beginning stages of low-key is how i saw her in the beginning stages of lovecraft country and like everything felt the same i don't know everybody takes stuff different with a grain of salt but like i was okay with it like <laughs> like 
I was yeah. sold on her from the beginning, honestly. Yeah, I liked her. She she did fine for me. But moving on to episode six, the season finale for all time, always. Loki and Sylvie find the Citadel at the end of time, meeting he who remains. And he who remains is played by none other than Jonathan Majors. Oh, all I could say. No, no, that ain't Jonathan Majors. That's Tick. That's Tick. Hey, I ain't even tell you. I ain't even tell you. I don't know if you saw my snaps, bro, but I finally did it. Like, I started Lovecraft Country. Oh my God! And that's, Rob, it's that fine. That's that my dog, Tick. That's that Tick, fi. baby. That's that Tick fi. from Lovecraft Country. John, I love Jonathan Majors. Oh my God, Jennifer fucking Lewis, bro. Just uh, yeah, no, that show. You, you been like I don't like it. Just never like it never came across my desk. But like, bro, you 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 put me on, bro. You've been telling me since it came out. Like, bro, Lovecraft Country. That shit. It's a like it's definitely a show for the culture. Like, cause we brother culture, we didn't know we needed some shit like that. We needed that. Yeah, but like, I can't wait to finish it. I finished up uh, episode one. Definitely ready to get get into the to the next episode. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah man, episode six was freaking insane. Um, definitely. Yeah, we got we got some crazy, pretty cool beats in it. You know, getting to meet Jonathan Majors and him really lay out, you know, what really was going on in terms of the TVA and how he created it and how he knows all, sees all, and you know, is kind of the the orchestrator of everything. Was really cool. Although Sylvie was pissing me off that scene. Like every time he would speak, she would be like, "Yeah, but you're a liar." I'm like, "But, but he has no reason to lie." Like she's just really help. She just really mad at the fact that he's the whole reason behind her losing her whole childhood. I mean, <laughs> like, true, but like, but like, bro, like, I was like, "Oh my god, I know you mad, but baby, like, can 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 we not? Like, can can we not do this? Like." Can we not? It's just he like he looking like you can say whatever you want to say, you can do whatever you want to do, but like I'm still gonna get mine in the end. So like exactly, and and we also Mobius also returns to the TVA after surviving the void and frees B15 from captivity to to reveal Ravana's real you know her real position in the in the timeline. Uh, to other hunters to alert them to the fact that the TVA is kind of cap. Yeah. That was really cool. I really enjoyed that scene, like where Ravana was. She was um, a teacher. She was a like, teacher. But if you notice, so they, they've they've talked about where C20 was um, in a sense, and they've also revealed what Ravana was up to, but they haven't revealed where B15, her actual place in the timeline is. Do you think, maybe, I think maybe that could be a, a part of the story in season two. Like what is B15's actual role in the MC, not MCU, but in the in the universe? That is true. I did not think about that. Yeah, they didn't really show that. That was that was interesting. And then yeah, Mo, man. and then of course I know we all mad because Mobius did not get the jet ski. <laughs> Bro, yeah, I was waiting on that. I was I was thinking like, oh, maybe season two he might get it. Do you know Mobius? We I don't think we really got about Mobius's life either. So you know, hopefully we can do. No, we did not. We can delve into that because you know, you know, towards the end, you know, whole new timeline. Mobius don't know who the hell he is, so yeah. we're looking like mm-hmm. exactly. And Loki's back in the TBA, so we do have to talk about Loki and Sylvie and their romantic uh, entanglement. What are your thoughts? Because I, I feel like right, 
this episode, like, I was cool with it for the most part, whatever. Like, in terms of character, Loki falling in love with himself makes 1,000% sense. Like, it absolutely, it, it, it rides. It's weird, sure. But, like, bro, it makes sense for his character. But then, so, mm-hmm. like, in episode, episode six specifically, they seem to have to made it a, make it a deal to let the viewers know, hey, Loki and Sylvie are both Lokis. 1000%. They are Lokis. They are the same person in two. Like, they are Lokis. And then for them to still end up as, like, not a couple, but, like, still have that little moment where they, they kiss, I'm like, ah, that was... Uh, okay, like I, I equate it to just as bad as uh, Ray and Kylo Ren in Episode Nine. That's my that's my piece on it. Well, I wasn't too surprised at it, just due to the fact Loki really because it felt like Loki felt like Sylvie was the better version of himself. He finally he felt like he kept feeling that to a certain extent, and plus I think it kind of went back to that big one of the biggest quotes from the show and all: "Love is a dagger," mm. because you know. They both have love for each other, but in this, it's the retrospects that Loki didn't didn't want Sylvie to go down and do what she was she wanted to do, which was kill Kang. Mm-hmm. So you know, this was pretty interesting to see. You know, you know, Loki doing going, you know, them doing that gesture was like, hey, look, this is all for love and all that, but like we're not agreeing on this, and this is we're gonna have to choose who who's right and wrong. I thought it was kind of like this weird expose of figuring like like two versions of yourself, the good and the bad or the indifferent, trying to figure out what step you should take. You got to this moment. What do you want to do? I, that's kind of the vibes I was getting. Yeah. Because it's a, it's low key, but two different low keys and which one and and they both not agreeing two different sides of, of the coin. Which Absolutely. one do you choose? That's kind of what I was getting. It did feel a, a tad bit weird. I did not think they were going to. I was like, what the? I was like, oh, wow. They actually kissed. I was like, okay. I mean, it, it kind of feels okay. like that's the only reason they made they made Sylvie a, a woman. Even though, like, they've already revealed Loki to be bisexual. It just, it, I don't know. Because, like, even then, if Loki was a male, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that Loki would have looked exactly like Loki. But then again, like, this Loki could legit look like Tom Hiddleston and be a different Loki and he'd still fall in love with himself. So it'd be, it's, it's just, you, if you read too deep into it, you will wheel just, you'll wheel yourself out as, as, as I just did. So, yeah, uh, I, I didn't try to think too much about it. Yeah. Just don't think about it too much, too much, too much. Cafeteria talk has been disabled because of copyright infringement, but um, yeah. So Loki returns to the TVA. You've already mentioned, you know, he's talking to Mobius and Mobius is like, who the hell are you? Um, and so biggest beat out of this episode, of course, Sylvie kills he who remains who, and after he's explained that there are multiple variants of him that want to conquer the timeline and, you know, are pretty bad dudes. And if he's killed, basically he hit him with the, you know, if you strike me down, I'll come back way more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And so. Um, at the end of the, at the end of the episode, we get a, a tracking shot of a new statue of Kang in the place of where the timekeepers are. And yeah, this is going to be crazy. So moving into implications, Loki has been said out of all three Disney plus series to have the biggest effect on the greater MCU moving forward. What are your thoughts, man? Implications wise, uh, Loki, Kang, all of that. 
Well, of course, you know, we're getting Kang and, and you know, Ant-Man, Quantumania, Ant-Man yeah. the Lost Quantumania. So, you know, this definitely has effed up everything and the multiverse is getting even more crazy as we speak because we definitely, like we said, we got different things from Endgame. You know, Endgame definitely did leave a couple spurts of different timelines with Captain America doing what he did. We don't know really much about that. We probably would never find out. And then, you know, obviously WandaVision doing whatever the hell she did and this low key, like they were already trying to fix the timelines that Sylvie branched off. You know, this whole multiversal thing, like all this good stuff, like things are just getting even more crazy and wild and like weird as Val would say. And like, I'm just like, different variants of Kane and all this good stuff. I'm just like, yo, what the hell is going on? And then like Loki being stuck back in the TBA, whole new timeline, haven't tried to decipher anything, you know, trying to regain Mobius, bring Mobius back to who he was, trying to tell him again, you're all variants. This is something different. Like, I think this is just wild. And, you know, then Ravana leaving, are we getting another version of Renslayer or is she going completely? Like, what's going on with that? Because we know her and Kang had a thing in the comics. So they've got to cross paths at some point. So it's just a lot. And I think this is season two is going to be crazy, like indifferent, probably. So I can't wait. Absolutely, man. Uh, pretty much everything you said, Kang, um, just timeline, multiverse. I'm excited to see what we do with it. Um, I can't wait to watch it all. It's gonna be insane. Um, I do want I do want to applaud the MCU for their their use of the multiverse and building their own multiverse, which is gonna be really fun to watch. But yeah, man, this is this movie like like we said in the Bakunwar Soldier review, things are about to get weird. And last thing before I end it off and wrap it up, uh, and we rank it. I asked this after the Falcon and Winter Soldier. All right, bro. Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, or Loki. Rank them. What do you think? Like rank the three, yeah, from best to worst or worst to best. Like how we're best, ranking it, best to worst. I think I'm going. Oh man, I'm going fat. Fuck, that's hard. And like, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that I think one is bad. But like, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say Falcon and Soldier, Walk Wandavision, Loki. That's my ranking. This is hard to think. Because I'm going off of overall implications of the greater MCU. I'm trying to also go off a of story and I'm trying to go off of everything. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Mm. I'm going to go with. Because it's probably a one and done. Uh, actually, I don't even know if it's a one and done. Dang it. I don't know. I'm going to go. Jeez, this is hard. I'm going to probably go... Dang. Just because this did launch, this is really a big launch to the next phase, I'm going to go low-key, Falcon Winter Soldier, then WandaVision. Okay. Um, Only just due to the season. Like, the reason... Like, WandaVision, definitely film-wise, I think was better than all... Was yeah. the best all three. But, like, of what is being left with and just Kang's introduction. He's really is the next big bad. 
I'm going to go low-key just because it was his first introduction and he really did like show who, what he is and what he's about and what we're going to be dealing with for a, a good, a few, a few years. Smart. And then, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier, just how it still is tackling the grounds of everything that happened after Endgame, like was done so well. And then definitely, you know, WandaVision just, it's, it's a layer that's going to also be being tackled again with um Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. So it's kind of like, the Falcon Winter Soldier story on its own, I feel like it could have been like, if, if we never see anything again, we'll be satisfied. But with Loki and also WandaVision, we need more. So, you know, I kind of played that into there too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, good, good point. But that's it, guys. That's our, that's our, oh, wait, let's rank this bad boy, Loki out of 10 real quick. Uh, I'm going to go solid eight out of 10. I'm going to go... For low key, ooh, I'm gonna go a nine. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go a nine. Okay, cool. So eight point five. So Black Widow six point five. Loki eight point five out of ten. Great, 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 great uh, stuff going on in the MCU. Can't wait to see what we got next. Of course, we do have Shang Chi coming out in September. We have um, Eternals coming out in November, and then Spider Man in December. So big. Crazy big big year for the MCU. Uh, can't wait to see everything that's gonna that's gonna happen. Um, you can follow us on Instagram or follow me on Instagram at Quattro IV with the period between the C and the U. Catch me on Twitter at Quattro IV underscore. What about you, Slick? Slick without the C underscore Rob to be underscore on Instagram. Like it. And uh, man, that that's it, guys. We love you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we will catch you on the next one. Um, stay tuned. Uh, Slick Rob mentioned it last episode. Uh, on the Sport Cafeteria Talk XD, that we will be doing uh something really special attached to the next sports news dump. So be ready for that. Uh, you can catch me and Ty's show anywhere you find podcasts. Brackets and B rolls. Instagram brackets underscore B rolls. Twitter brackets underscore B rolls. Uh, we are gearing up for season two. As of recording this, if this comes out uh the day it's supposed to. Monday, we have a um, Black Widow review coming out. We also talked about Loki. Um, so feel free to check that out if you want to hear Fly Guys Ty's thoughts. Um, but yeah, man, uh, you guys have a great day. Do something, do something for somebody. Slick Rob, anything else? Nope, that'll be it. Cafeteria Talk, we are out. Cafeteria Talk.